You are listening to the audio podcast of the weekly message preached at Central United Methodist Church in Arlington, Virginia. You're invited to worship with us in person on Saturdays at 4.30 p.m. or virtually through Zoom or Facebook on Sundays at 10.30 a.m. Visit us at www.cumcballston.org. There you can learn more about our congregation and how we worship God, serve others, and embrace all. Our scripture lesson today is from Romans chapter 8, verses 1 through 17. So now there isn't any condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. The law of the Spirit of life in Christ Jesus has set you free from the law of sin and death. God has done what was impossible for the law, since it was weak because of selfishness. God condemned sin in the body by sending his own son to deal with sin in the same body as humans who are controlled by sin. He did this so that the righteous requirement of the law might be fulfilled in us. Now the way we live is based on the spirit, not based on selfishness. People whose lives are based on selfishness think about selfish things, but people whose lives are based on the spirit Think about things that are related to the Spirit. The attitude that comes from selfishness leads to death, but the attitude that comes from the Spirit leads to life and peace. So the attitude that comes from selfishness is hostile to God. It doesn't submit to God's law because it can't. People who are self-centered aren't able to please God. But you aren't self-centered. Instead, you are in the Spirit, if in fact God's Spirit lives in you. If anyone doesn't have the Spirit of Christ, they don't belong to Him. If Christ is in you, the Spirit is your life because of God's righteousness, but the body is dead because of sin. If the Spirit of the one who raised Jesus from the dead lives in you, the one who raised Christ from the dead will give you life to your human bodies also, through His Spirit that lives in you. So then, brothers and sisters, we have an obligation, but it isn't an obligation to ourselves to live our lives on the basis of selfishness. If you live on the basis of selfishness, you are going to die. But if by the Spirit you put to death the actions of the body, you will live. All who are led by God's Spirit are God's sons and daughters. You didn't receive a spirit of slavery to lead you back again into fear but you received a spirit that shows you are adopted as his children. With this spirit we cry, Abba, Father. The same spirit agrees with our spirit that we are God's children. But if we are children, we are also heirs. We are God's heirs and fellow heirs with Christ if we really suffer with him so that we can also be glorified with him. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Pray with me, please. Gracious God, cleanse my mind, my heart and my lips as you cleanse the lips of your prophet Isaiah with the burning coal, that I may preach your word and and not my own, and that your people will, will hear the good word and the good news in spite of my faults. Amen. So now there isn't any condemnation 
for those who are in Christ Jesus. That, that, that's how Paul begins this, this letter to the Romans. No condemnation. Who's doing the condemning? And he talks about the law, uh, the law of sin and death. And we are now, as he writes, free from the law of sin and death. What he's talking about here is the condemnation that we give to ourselves. The condemnation of guilt and shame when we haven't measured up to the law. Whatever law that might be, the, the law perhaps of the Ten Commandments or the laws of Scripture or maybe the laws that are imposed upon us in society. So now there isn't any condemnation. And that's because there's forgiveness. Forgiveness in the death of Jesus Christ. We are now free, free from that law of sin and death. We are free from shame and from guilt. And Paul speaks of that freedom in being in the way of the Spirit, the way of the Spirit leading to life and peace. You know, how peaceful is it if you, if I, if we get rid of our shame and guilt? That's peace. The alternative, and it's an interesting way Paul puts it, the alternative is a life of self-centeredness. Self-centeredness. That's one way to generate shame and guilt. Self-centeredness. People who are self-centered aren't able to please God, Paul tells us. And why not? Being self-centered, not pleasing God, that, that's not so much God's judgment as our own. You see, the person who's self-centered, and I've practiced that a big chunk of my life, is a person who worships themselves. The Buddhists have a wonderful term for, for, for that sort of a person. They're called a hungry ghost. You, you see, a hungry ghost is one that, that can, continues to consume things but the more it consumes, the hungrier it gets. The more money I have, the more I want. The, the more homes I have, the more I want, or cars, or, or whatever, relationships, whatever. We want more and more, and we're never satisfied I've been there, and sometimes I go back there, and I want more, and it doesn't help. Because as soon as I get it, I remember this even as a child, as soon as I got it, I would, whatever it was, put it away and look now for the next thing. Hungry ghosts are never satisfied, particularly because they're worshiping themselves. And, and that's the real descent into hell. It's a descent into, into never being satisfied in worshiping yourself. But, Paul says, you, Romans, you aren't self-centered. 
Instead, you are in the Spirit. That, that is, they've made the Spirit the center. And as Christians, that, that's what we're supposed to be doing, making the Spirit the center. But how did that happen? You know, Paul's talking about being free, and then suddenly we're jumped into being free from shame and guilt and sin and death. But what moved us into the Spirit? Paul tells us in comparing the self-centered to the Spirit-centered that this change comes about by choice. Our choice. We're, a choice we're free to make now. A choice that we can make. Now, how do we make the right choice? And let me be clear, we make the choice to follow Jesus Christ day by day, and sometimes even minute by minute. And it's a choice that we don't have to make alone. We've been following Brian McLaren's book, We, we Make the Road by Walking, and in this post-resurrection and Pentecost time, we're in the part of the book that talks about being alive in the Spirit of God. And here he talks about being alive in the Spirit of a loving God. This is chapter 42, where we are today. But we make this road by walking, McLaren says, in a beautiful way. Whatever ember of love for goodness flickers within us, however feeble or small, that's what the Spirit works with until that spark grows warmer and brighter. From the tiniest beginning, our whole lives, our whole hearts and minds, souls and strength can be set aflame with love for God. There are two at work here. The Spirit works in us, but, but to generate that, we have to work in the Spirit. This doesn't come easy to get that ember, but we only need a small ember. So you here, and, and those of you who watch us, will, may notice that that right-hand candle, it's not out. I, I checked it when I walked up into the center. It's still a little glow there, and let me assure you, if you go to touch it, you will be burned even though it's a small ember. We are the ember maker. Literally, we're putting ourselves in line of the Holy Spirit's fire. We're putting ourselves in the line of fire in a very real way. Now, that's simple, but it's not easy. You just can't will it into being. I, I, I used to smoke cigarettes, and I smoked a lot of cigarettes. And I found it very easy to give up cigarette smoking. I did several times. And I would do it for a week or a month, five years at one time. Then I'd go back. I, I couldn't just say, no more smoking. I had to work at it. You have to actually do something to get that ember going. And, and let me suggest some things you can do to get that ember going. You got a good start coming to church, singing in the choir, donating. But that's just the smallest start. Let me suggest some, some more things to do and, and more that, that's not easy work. 
You need first to act alone in your decision, and you need to act with others who, like you, are working to be Christians for acting on your own. Probably the most important thing to do, and to do it early, is to declare yourself a Christian, a follower of Christ. It may be the hardest part. And one way to do it is to wear the cross. Or put that fish on the back of your car. Or a cross in the windshield of your car. Or if you're challenged to say you've done something because you're a Christian. That is not easy to do. That sort of declaration. Second, look for where and how to do acts of caring. And they don't have to be big acts. This is not stuff that is done on a great scale. It can't be. Jesus did things on a very small scale. So do we. Caring. Can you show that you care for somebody, a stranger especially? If you see someone who needs help, help them. Holding a door is a Christian act. Because you see somebody who needs your help and you extend yourself and help them. That's what Christians do. Third, you pray. And, and I mean consciously putting yourself in front of God and God in front of you and, and pray by bringing God into your time. And it can be very simple. Oh God, help me. Oh God, I see you. Oh God, I want to see you. That's prayer. Another good way to pray is at the end of the day, take a few moments before you go to sleep to relax, to sit, and then just look at your day. Where in your day did you meet God in caring for someone or in acting or praying? And where in your day did you miss the opportunity and know that going forward you learn. Fourth, and this is probably the most important thing to do on your path to being a Christian, in your path to getting that ember going, you forgive. And most importantly, you forgive yourself. That shame and blame and guilt has been taken away. You forgive yourself and say, I am good enough because I'm redeemed to be a Christian. And, and the second thing you forgive is the world for not being that wonderful place that always does what you want it to do. That's very powerful. It's very powerful to forgive the world to forgive whatever is happening because it's a broken world. Forgiving yourself and forgiving the world. This, this will not only give you strength to do the declaration and the acts of care and your review of your day, but it will give you the strength to do the next thing, which is to act with others. You, you see, we Christians are Christians because we have each other. And that's so important on our journey. It, it's one of the things that Jesus did in gathering 
the disciples, and in His following, acting with others. We, we act with others right now in worship, acting in Bible study, acting in small groups, acting in communities of mercy and justice, such as our programs for feeding the hungry. But it's important to understand that the acts of care, the forgiveness, the acts in a group, you know, good people do all those things. But what makes the Christian different is we declare we're doing this in Christ's name. We're doing this for Christ's new kingdom. You, you know, you've heard and found good people who are, who are not religious but spiritual. Let me suggest they are religious. Their religion is themselves. Ours is Christianity, as Jesus Christ, the Spirit, the one that we're inviting into our hearts so we can do this work, which is not easy. By the way, it is not easy to care for other people, even just passing in the street. It's not easy to extend yourself to even hold open a door, to pick up something that someone has dropped and hand it to them, to, to maybe go up to someone who is very upset and crying, a stranger, and just say, why? And just be there. That is not easy to do. Hence the prayer. Now, now if you're feeling uncomfortable in, in, in my laying out this sort of a program, that, that's good. That's really good because, because in your discomfort, and it makes me uncomfortable too and has from the beginning when I first put on a cross in and, and ministry, because it makes you feel maybe that you can do more. It means you're feeling the distance between where you are now and where you can be. And if you're feeling uncomfortable, that's the person I'm preaching to right now. And let me be real clear. This stuff makes me feel uncomfortable too, especially that declaration part, especially reaching out. I am an introvert. I don't come up to strangers easily. To care, especially to care. It's much more easy for me to um, come up to somebody in anger than in love. Now, by the way, what I laid out here, these sort of acts, it should sound somewhat familiar because what I've really done here is to summarize the Wesleyan means of grace. It's what Methodists were designed to do by John Wesley. The means of grace the individual and communal practices of piety and mercy, those are the technical terms, and things like reading scripture and prayer and fasting, our regular worship attendance, sharing the sacraments, visiting sick and those in prison, giving generously, addressing the needs of the poor and the discriminated. These are called means of grace for a reason because they open our heart to the Spirit. They, they start that ember going. In McLaren's terms, they light that ember for the Holy Spirit to blow it into a flame and letting us grow in that grace. And it is to love God as God loves us. And by the way, what I've just laid out here is scary stuff. I will guarantee you, if you do these various things, you will change. That will take courage. 
It is not easy to change. That is something that you have to decide to do. And then in doing this, you will change. The Spirit will move you, and it will move you in ways that will be very scary. And it's only through that that you find the peace of Jesus Christ. And you don't try to do this because you're good or even you want to be good. This does not work for good people. It's the work of those who are trying to be Christian. And remember, those who are trying to be Christian, forgiveness is a big part of what we're doing. And that's okay. The Psalms, there's a wonderful one. I keep going to it. Psalm 37 has a verse in it. Though we stumble... We shall not fall headlong, for the Lord holds us up by the hand. I stumble every day. We all do. And Romans, a little bit later in his letter to the Romans, Paul says this, For I am convinced that neither death nor life, and remember the death and life he's talking about, is not just our physical death and life, but the death and life of shame and guilt. Neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor rulers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. In the coming weeks, as you continue to work through this book, you will see different ways that McLaren is talking about getting the Spirit and living in the Spirit. And Richard Rohr has a comment on that. He, Richard Rohr, a very well-known uh, um, spiritual guide, says this, we humans tend to live ourselves into new ways of thinking more than we think ourselves into new ways of living. That is, we have to act to change and not just sit back and think about it. We need to do in order to change. Just like I was saying at the beginning that we can't wish ourselves out of a bad habit. And Richard Rohr goes on, history has shown that a rather large percentage of Christians never get to the practical implications of their beliefs. Why aren't you doing what you say you believe? The prophet always asks. History has shown that a rather large percentage of Christians never get to the practical implications of their beliefs, that is, to love as God loves. I'd add that it's the majority of those who call themselves Christians who never really get it. You get it. You get how it is to follow Christ. And you get that this can be scary. And this theme of making a decision... In the weeks to come, McLaren will lead us through what it means to be alive in the spirit of a risen Christ and how you can declare yourself for Jesus Christ and commit yourself to Jesus Christ. It's a decision. It's one we can make every day, every hour, every moment. But it's one that Paul says we're free to make. Now the challenge will be, can we burn with the fire of the Holy Spirit? if we give the Spirit the ember to work with. Amen.